a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this incredibly cool episode, guys, Dr. Doug Matsky and Mark Gober join me for a mind-blowing conversation. You guys are absolutely going to love this, so I'm going to keep this very short. Check all the ways to find them in the show notes for sure, guys, all their works, as well as all the ways to find and support us, and thank you all for doing so. So without any further ado, let's get to this incredibly cool conversation with Mark Gober and Dr. Doug Matsky. And deep reality, too. Ooh, deep, expanding reality. It's all happening. And it's all happening right here. We're doing it. This is awesome. I'm so excited for this conversation. Uh, you two gentlemen, thank you so much for your time in advance. Uh, you two, um, Mark, you hooked me up with Dr. Doug Matsky, And uh, of course, you've been on Doug with Deep Reality. Mark Gober, you've been on several times. And I've, I keep a collection of your books right here. Um, and it's near and dear to my heart. So it's really cool to get both of you hanging out together. So Mark, if you don't mind... Um, we've already done introductions for the audience, so we're going to skip that. You guys, I'll link both, uh, at least a few of your episodes down below. You'll go check out the first ones either way. We're going to get right to this thing. But Mark, if you don't mind, how do you know Dr. Doug Matsky? We have the same publisher. So when Doug's book came out, my publisher sent it to me, and it was totally in line with the things that I've been thinking about, too. So Doug and I have been in touch since then. That was a few years ago. Yeah. My book has been two years released now, just two and a half, almost two and a half years now. So, and meanwhile, you've written five books during the same oh, time. What a machine. <laughs> Doug and I were talking about this, by the way. He was like, how could he write so fast? I'm like, Doug, it's okay. He's he's on a path. Like you have this line and it's just this beaten thing. Yeah, Plus, it's uh, perfect you, for him. And, and we, you know, we each have like all kinds of things that we're doing, but it's so cool to turn around. And I just, um, you know, uh, go to the mail the other day and I uh, just opened this thing and it was from Mark and it's his new book. I'm like, like, what the, f when did you just wrote a book like three months ago and sent that thing to me? So I was so impressed with this, but you gentlemen are absolutely incredible. I'm super pumped about this. So this meeting of the minds right here, we are just going to really go for it here. So I'm actually going to open the floor up to Dr. Doug Matsky and say, Doug, what would you like for us to talk about, dude? You, you set the tone here. Okay. Okay. The big question that popped into my mind, like in the last hour and specifically for you, Mark. Okay. So. I haven't read all your books, Mark. I know that you have five of them out there, but I have been listening to po your podcasts and interviews about all of them. So I, I get what you're doing. Okay. And I think it's very courageous of you to talk about your personal journey through all of this. Okay. You know, cause that's, we're all, we're all growing. Right. And so that's pretty courageous of you to, to expose that, you know, in the, in the writing that you've done, but the two that really talk to me because it's overlapping huge amounts with what I'm doing is your first book on, you know, on metaphysics, essentially. Right. It's, and then the, the fourth book, which is about EF, you know, UFOs and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so 
Okay, so those two overlap significantly with what I'm doing, because you can think of like my book was a was a business plan to start a company, and now we've started this company called Coherent Spaces, and and I've talked to you about that a little bit, right? But the big thing is, if UFOs exist and metaphysics is part of that, right? Okay, that is the big overlap that it's in my mind too, and so we probably won't have physical phenomena from ufos because they're all so advanced they're all in the fifth dimensional realm or above right and so why can't we just tell that story it says look advanced beings aren't corporeal unless they want to be you know and so that's a question i have for you and i'd like to have a discussion that's the mm -hmm. top discussion thread i'd like to have with you is like can we ever expect to physically find ufos they'll probably land on the white house lawn at some point but not until they're really good and ready, right? And until society is ready too. So those are the two aspects of it. So anyhow, that's my question for you. And, and I'd really like to, you know, we believe that there's these huge amount of collective beings out there. You can call them aliens, spiritual beings, whatever you call them. Angels and aliens, they're all the same thing. They're advanced beings, not physical, and they're helping mankind, mostly, right? There's probably ones that aren't helping mankind, but there's a lot helping mankind, right? Mm -hmm. Benevolent ones. And so, um, so they're c combining your two books into one here. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, this is a tough topic because, <laughs> so let me give one of the analogies that I've given in my books to start because it deals with our limitations. Mm -hmm. um, the novella Flatland, where people are living on a two-dimensional plane Yep. And they can only perceive at a two-dimensional level, like a flat piece of paper. And when a sphere, a three-dimensional object, for example, intersects with it, the people yep. in two-dimensional land, they see a circle. That's all they can perceive. And that's just a two-dimensional versus a three-dimensional. And imagine if it's way more complex than that. So we're limited in what we can even understand and, and have conversations about because we're... Okay, so that's one of the issues with it. And then I also think, this is just a guess that there's a spectrum of types of beings that exist and there might the most advanced types are probably the ones that you're describing doug that are yeah yep. they can go in and out they can do whatever they want and maybe there are others that are less advanced but are still a little more advanced than human beings just speculating that maybe are a bit more physical that are popping in and out so it's yep. i'd agree there's this like capital T them that is often used to describe the beings as if it's a unitary monolithic force, but yeah. I think there's a lot of diversity. So we'd probably have to go species by species in order to answer your question. And that's yeah. where I start to get confused. Yeah. 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 Well, we're essentially my company is working with, you can think of these advanced, you know, once they get to this level, they're advanced collectives, right? Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm going to use an example is, is Esther Hicks, right? She talks about Abraham, right? She's channeling Abraham, right? Abraham refers to them as the, them, them. They're a collective, right? right? There's like lots of examples of this, the them, you know, your, your guides are a them, you have half a dozen or a dozen collect, you know, probably more because you, you're so smart. You're, you've got this income input coming from all your, all your guides, lots of guides. I do too. Um, I was told I have hundreds of guides and then a dozen primary guides. Okay. So it's the them. So how can you have this collective consciousnesses helping humanity? And 
And you have to expect that consciousness can exist in a hyperdimensional space without having a physical body. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think about that? I mean, you you believe in a hyperdimensional reality that supports consciousness? I mean, maybe that's a good way to ask the question. Yeah, I do. I think it makes sense that that would exist based on the emerging science that you've covered in your book and the quantum mm-hmm. realm and all those sorts of things would suggest that that's very possible. And we know that there are other intelligences through various pieces of evidence that have been discussed in the show before. Yeah. So if you combine those together, why couldn't there be beings in those hyperdimensional realms? But yeah. then where I, I mean, the questions that I continue to have is like, why is it so difficult to grasp and perceive? Why do we lack memories about all this stuff? Because yeah. at some level, there's a part of us that probably knows these things, but we have an amnesia to it. And trying to reconcile all those things as to why it's happening, who's orchestrating it. I'll just throw another few things in there. You know, when people have near-death experiences or pre-birth memories, they're yeah. talking about being guided by these beings in other realms. Yeah. What? How are they in charge of our reincarnation process and our dying process? And how did they, like who appointed them? And are we in agreement with them? Because people talk about soul contracts. I feel like we get bits and pieces of evidence from people who've had these experiences, but it's still a very murky picture to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, 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 I mean, you and Skeptico, right, Alex, are both are of the of the places. You know, there's there's evil out there, right? And uh, you know, he's probably takes it a little bit ex- more extreme than you do. And I think we have to be aware that there probably is. And um, but if you think I, I'm very optimistic, I guess maybe is the right word is is and and it says well, the light will shine in and fill in the dark is so and so i'm you know it's i don't believe in the dark side of the force being more powerful than the light yeah. side well that's a good point and i think even like the gnostic texts the nag hammadi texts when they talk about origin stories they they have this idea that there is a dark being that controls this realm but in the end of the story they say light wins yeah so that's exactly. so i think that's a good point well, let's and, and, let's be optimistic that that's going to happen <laughs> right and then make sure it happens right by doing what we can to, to, to pursue along those paths so 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 uh so yeah i mean we could probably talk about just this subject for longer but i don't want to focus only on this subject but but the point is there's these group consciousnesses and they're assisting humanity and in fact specifically assisting our group okay and in fact if we weren't in in heart-centered in integrity they would stop working with us Mm. and we had a small episode where that happened and they like withdrew their attention to us and then we got back in their graces and they came back to help us so 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 the point is is that integrity is really important and this that's part of your new book is like okay you can have a positive sounding thing and use it and weaponize it right so uh, so I'm, I'm telling people well tell the truth speak from the heart tell the truth but you also have to have your your bullshit detector your truth detector working too and as a society we're getting that so diluted we it doesn't work anywhere for most people in society so there's another question for you what do you think about the truth detector that really is works for everybody and using our higher self to determine what is really the truth and yeah you know not a mathematical truth but truth in the sense of helping humanity and helping society and that kind of truth yeah this is really key 
the term that I've used a lot in some of my books and interviews recently is compassion with discernment. And it's like these two distinct but interrelated things. So compassion, I think, comes from understanding the nature of reality and interconnectedness. But once you get there, you need to have this detector on top of it. Because then yeah. you, your compassion can be steered in an incorrect direction or, or towards something yeah. that's actually not compassionate. And I think yeah. what you're alluding to is that- You're as saying we, weaponizing compassion kind of thing. Weaponizing compassion. Yes. Yeah. Weaponizing people's good nature. And they, they have to work in tandem, the discernment with the compassion. Yeah. And what I'm wondering, and you're alluding to this too, that as we start to do that more and elevate ourselves with both integrity and discernment and compassion, all these positive things, then we're able to tap into intelligences that resonate with that. And maybe yes. that's what you're experiencing with your product and how you're inventing these amazing things is mm -hmm. because you're able to resonate at that level. Right. And they're assisting us essentially by like helping with the designs, you know, giving us insights. I mean, most artists say, oh, yeah, the ins they talk about artists, right, is getting insight from wherever, the angels, you know, or their higher self or wherever. But scientists are artists too, right? Mm -hmm. And business, anybody who's doing any kind of creative work is getting insights. Well, all of that is is we want to tap into the good of the – in fact, we probably wouldn't be intelligent at all. We'd probably be extinct if we weren't doing that from the beginning. Here's my question for you, Doug. Because – People tell me all the time you're being guided. And certainly if I look in hindsight, there have been coincidences that have led me to do many things and write the books in, in a short amount of time relative to what it should have taken. But when I'm writing and doing things creatively, I don't feel like there's a third party force. It's not that explicit. And when you're doing your inventions and writing your books and, and scientifically, are you, how, how does that manifest for you? Okay. That's, thank you for asking that because, because when I was writing the I would only write it when I felt inspired. Mm. And so specifically, I addressed that issue. I knew that I wasn't inspired to write it. And so I, I wouldn't write it because I was, oh, I had a deadline. I was forcing myself to write it because it wouldn't be good. Okay. And so I specifically did that. And I was wondering, did you do the same kind of thing? Or did you, were you more like a channel? It was just writing itself kind of thing. And no. you just, you just, you knew what, Text and you didn't attribute it to a third party, but you knew it was unfolding in a way that was phenomenal, right? The way my process has worked is that I become very interested in something and there's passion that draws me towards, towards subject matter. Yeah. And then yeah. I want to learn. And then later I say, wow, I can turn this into a framework that's a book. And yeah, then exactly. I get the, the, the passion comes in and nothing matters to me until that's done. And yeah. I wouldn't say that it's, full, I mean, I've seen people channel and they are speaking in a different tone. They're using language they don't typically use and they lose control of themselves in a certain way. That's yeah. not what it feels like. And especially because my books are not just stream of consciousness. There's hundreds of citations. So I'm sitting here with mounds of books everywhere, pulling the right things out and doing the citations. So maybe there's an intelligence orchestrating that, but it feels mechanical still. Yeah. Yes. Well, just realize is that that balancing act of maintaining all that information in your mind at one time. I mean, you're a broke in person, right? And I tend to hang other people, people who don't do that. They can't do that. They can't keep all of that in their head at one time. And I'm one of those people who does that as well. Like all the stuff I deal with is all trying to balance a balanced view in my mind all at once. And most people can't do that. So that is part of this intellectual exercise that you raise the level of your awareness to include the conscious parallelism mm. 
mm. consciousness and parallelism of quantum a quantum parallelism so your consciousness can have all those things there simultaneously without having to restrict it to only seven plus or minus two so i would say you are being guided because you're lifted up to the space where you can hold all of that in your mind all the time you're so used to that you probably never thought about it that way before it's it's that it's this one right here because mark you and i work a lot the same way okay um when i am on something i am on something now intuitively though is how i work with it uh, that took me a long time to figure out rather than trudging through quicksand and all of that i now work only when intuitively um intuitive action right inspired action and but then, what yeah what passion. you're doing and then passionate about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You got it. But that passion, you're then you then you say, OK, well, where does that come from now? What I think is, is that, Mark, you're such a clear channel that you don't see it as channeling, which is great. It comes naturally yeah. to you because you call it inspiration, which is the muse. And the mm. muse continues to present you with things that are going to be so slipstream for you in your stream of thinking because you know what to do with it. Look, I'm sitting with a mound of books here of yours that you know what to do when the muse hands you something, which is why yeah. the muse keeps handing you something the good news too is is that the more you do it the better you are at it and you are so inspired to communicate this way it's not about the things yeah. it's about the way in which you're streamlining yeah. your effectiveness to be an incredible communicator which you were already but again that's what you're, we're doing here now you and i also don't feel that we have been contacted directly by extraterrestrial entities right we also you know and you and i mm -hmm. joke about the fact that we probably you know uh say all right you have to make me forget because we've got this whole thing going and our character doesn't want to know right now so just make us forget which is also fun but the way that this works is like you don't even take the time to think oh am i being guided oh is this intuitive you're just like and go like there's no middleman of process with you which in my mind is this stream of slipstream of consciousness you do you aren't even in your way enough to identify it as archangel michael or something you're just like yeah 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 go next project next so it, it's, it's your superpower stream. it's your both yes. of us all of our superpowers are this is being able to keep the big picture in mind and do a balanced conversation about all that and not having things drop out and not having them unbalanced and not having them heart-centered mm -hmm. and that's a, that's a hard thing i mean we need that in politics by the way if our politicians could do that we'd be better off but mark right? you're totally a solid channel dude i'm i've reframed because i again <laughs> i super identify with this but the thing about it is is i've reframed the way that channeling has been presented to me because like you i'm like i'm like well i don't have ectoplasm coming out of me i don't i'm not sitting here with my hands going greetings at everybody and saying you know it's <laughs> being it's coming from something else but i also can as a musician sit there and say there's definitely songs that i wrote that i was like where the fuck did that come from like i did not you know it was gifted <laughs> to me has there ever yeah. been a passage or a line or anything in one of your books or uh, thought stream where you were just like, whoa, like this is next level even for me. Were you, did you, were you mm -hmm. able to detach from it in a moment? Because also what I think you experience in your writing process is so much left brain, right brain combo that keeps you very rooted in back and That's forth with textile okay. things here and not in the okay. slipstream of just flow, flow, flow. So I'm just yeah. curious if you have slipped it, into it's that. It's not flow, out. It's not intellect only. If you were able to just go, huh, that's kind of interesting. And maybe that's like a, you know, a, a crack in the dam a little bit. Yeah. Okay. The way I would put it is because all of the books I've written have happened in a short amount of time in terms of the typing. A lot of the writing is the research that happens before, but the typing and putting the words on paper happens quickly. And the, usually the first time I read the whole book together, I'm not sure what it's going to sound like. And each time it has flowed 
way better than I thought. And I'm like, this is ready to go. So each time that happens, I say there's, there's something up. And also when I go back and read passages from my older books, sometimes I kind of forget the way I phrase things. And I'm like, wow, I really like the way I did that. I wouldn't have done that if you asked me to do it today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, that's what I'm saying. You were probably in the zone and you were in this hyper, this elevated state and then it just seemed the obvious thing to do next was part of your intuition. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. I would say you should recognize that that spirit talking to you. Mm. Right. Rather than rather than not and say, thank you. You know, I do. And in fact, somebody said after I wrote my book, they said, oh, yeah, our this group that's working with our with our company right now, this, the collective, they were helping me all through this. But I didn't I wasn't aware that it was. I just knew all of a sudden I go, well, I know what to say next. And I know what to say next. and I know what to say next. And here's a good idea that came out of nowhere. It's like, how did I think about writing the book, my book to be a conversation between Tiller and I? When as soon as I did it, it started writing itself. You know, so it's kind of like it took some inspiration and then it started this automatic process again. So you're probably in more in an automatic process that that you need to give credit, not that you don't get the credit, but it's your higher self working with all of the cylinders firing in the quantum realm uh, to 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 be who you are and doing what you do successfully. So, OK, a few things I'm I saying say. this to applaud you, by the way. So. I know I appreciate it. I oh, do. Yeah, and I hope this amazing. is amazing. Yeah, I hope this is useful to your audience too, Brandon, because I think oh, we're yeah. all creative in different ways. And so th through this process of these examples, I feel like your audience members are going to identify it in their own lives. 100%. So uh, let me give a few examples that are coming up now. When I'm in that writing mode, let's call it a two week period. Yeah. I'm sitting there typing and I'm pulling books and quoting things. But then when I'm laying in bed, things will come to me, like change this sentence. And I have got a thing on my phone where I just take notes because I don't want to get out of bed. That's happening. And then all of a sudden it stops. When the book's done, there's no none more of that. Uh, there's no more edits to do. So that is yeah, another strange beautiful. phenomenon. Um, the second thing I wanted to say is that, first of all, I never expected to write any books at all. And then when I wrote the first one, I wasn't expecting to write more. I say that now. If, if there's no inspiration, there's no more books. So I'm asked, are you going to write more? I I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I want to make that clear. And then there was something else that'll probably pop up later that I can't remember. But yeah, we want to applaud you yeah. and recognize yeah. you as this creative spiritual person. And and you're you're getting help. It's, to say that I do what I do and I can take credit for it because it's me, it's my intellect. No, I'm I'm on a mission from God, if you want to think about it. And I'm just an agent for that. And I see you kind of doing the same thing. And I just don't know. That's the question is, do you recognize that that's what's happening? With you? So you reminded me of the third thing that I was going to say. Thank you, Doug. We're on the same page. <laughs> so this is something I've done before all five of the books, before I sat down to type. I have in my own way, like written or stated or said in my mind that whatever benevolent forces exist in the universe are going to write through me and I'm just the vessel for it. And the book is for the highest oh, good that I'm not the actual author. I'm like, my name is on it and I'm the one typing it out, but the, yeah, whatever these, bene these benevolent forces are the ones that are doing it. So I make that explicit. Now what's also, well, I want to point out here that's is good to hear that. It's good to hear that from you. I got to point out here that Mark, when you said that, I have heard you say this, you've said it on my show. The first time we met, I've heard you in another interview before we met, say this. And the thing about this is, is you're the reason that before I said, 
sit down before every show, I say the same similar thing. Now, what's uh. fascinating about this, let's really break this down. Think of how many people I talk to in the freaky woo-woo all the time. Think of how many opportunities I've had to really be mindful about what is coming through me the moment before I sit down for a show. It came from you, dude. It didn't come from the Oracle or from Stuart Pierce or something like that. It was your exact, the way that you phrased it and the way you were able to embody it um, was something that I found so fucking valuable that now I do it before every single time. Before I clicked accept here, I said that exact same thing to myself to get you in here. So that is an inspiration from you. So again, you know, it's like your ability to get out of the way irrespective of your observation of what's occurring in the amazingness that is just you is an amazing thing. Like you're, you don't have to sit there and analyze it. You're just like, okay. And whoop, and you're at the end of it, you have this incredible process that looking back, it's amazing. Like the, the comments in your mind, um, I'm sure in the shower, do you have any major mm-hmm. insights in the shower? Now that has to do, I've heard with water being such a, an emotional conductor and a conductor yeah. of energy, right? And all and the grounding. water that's ever been here is here. And it's just, a solid flow the idea for the intro song for this show came in the shower i heard it in my head came out here and scribbled it down real quick so it's the same thing right it's this conduit action but again like doug said we're very proud of you man and this absolutely doesn't take away from your intellect in fact it accentuates it because you are one of these you know and this is doug you're the same way this like your accolades in life are something that i find so fascinating because you know uh captain of the varsity princeton uh team you know uh and then and uh, your background, Doug, and then you guys are coming here and talking about stuff like this. It's such an incredible bridge. And this is what really is so motivating for me to see is to see dudes like y'all motivate me in such a way that, again, not all the and not that there's anything wrong with the way the spiritual community is conducted. All of it's perfect in my mind. And I want to talk to you all about the bad guy thing here in a second. All of it's perfect in my mind. And everyone is attractive to that which needs to be attracted to them. So the way all of this, though, comes about is that it seems, like we were talking about earlier, if there is a light, pervasive element that always succeeds here, it's being shown in the most unlikely of places, which is why I'm such a big fan of it. It's so pervasive and ubiquitous, but as if it's coming up from the ground itself, not out from somewhere where you're expecting it. You know, it's so much more ubiquitous than uh, people think, and that's proven in you too. You'll give me that faith of it. I love it. So thank mm-hmm. you, gentlemen. Yeah, one comment that comes up, Brandon, is in my own journey in the on the mainstream path, working in investment banking and Silicon Valley and all that, you guys didn't know me when I was in that phase. I was so focused on that stuff and I didn't have a sense of purpose or meaning. And then I hit a wall, which I talk about in my book and end upside down living in my life in many ways, but also existentially that I just had no meaning on top of it. And the process since then, which is around 2016 or even a little bit before has been, I think ego dissolution is the best way to think yes. about it. Ego dissolution yeah. where the, the things that I cared about as Mark, I do not care about anymore. And then when something comes up where I do care, where I'm like, this is an important topic where it's a paradigm shift for me, I've got to share it with people, then I really care. And it's not as much about like me. I just, I don't care about that stuff. And I say this because I think it's, it helps in my process in a way that I wouldn't linearly put together, but it probably opens up the, the channel or it opens up the connection. 
This yeah. shows the lack of ego in this because you're able to just get out of the way and you're able to go, no, no, I don't want to freeze it like that. No, I want to make more notes because I got to sound cooler. No, you let it flow and you're like, yeah, yeah, there. And oh, yeah, take that out. You you know, real jazz with it, right? What's the secret to jazz music? It's not uh, when there's more to add, it's when there's no more to take away, right? And so right. that idea of this like stream consciousness thing that you've got, but again, it's it's so remarkable because like you were frame, we're used to seeing like, uh, people with um, sitting on pillows cross-legged telling us about this kind of stuff. But when it's not that, it, there seems to be a lack of legitimacy or a lack of worthiness on the presenter's part. And I see that is honestly what's been disillusioned the most, is this idea of a template for solid, amazing information. And also the inverse, the s solid information that you get from the template we've been told to listen to is not the one you should fucking be listening to, right? Mm -hmm. There's a great book called An End to Upside Down Reset about it. I'll link it below. Might as well. So uh, this is fascinating. One Go ahead, please. Yeah, before I, this is, I think this is important. And now I just forgot it. So go oh, ahead. Oh, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> so remember, remember, I remember. I'll okay. be right back to you. Uh, this idea, though, of being ready or facilitating a newer version of yourself. This is something I wanted to ask you about because earlier we were talking about this idea of bad people and that there's an evil here and, and this all ties together. So I want to present you both gentlemen with the idea and especially with your backgrounds and insight, the idea that perhaps it's not uh, us in the future growing into someone else, but perhaps you become a quantum physics, vibrational, energetic vessel that's able to hold a higher frequency version of yourself. So basically this is sort of the uh, rudimentary tag team equivalent of uh, like tag team wrestling or something like that. Like your higher self is sitting over there just ready for you to just stop drinking a little bit, you know, or to just refocus your attention away from the fear-based mindset and the propaganda just for a little bit. And then you'll be able to go and get this breath into this sort of new level of vibration that then there's insights there. There's when you quiet that mind, which is why meditation is so important. These mindfulness things, just detaching from all the noise. So the, what I want to present to you guys is perhaps the idea that we're not becoming better what we are, but what we're doing is we're becoming a more physically more. viable vessel for a higher entity more. to him. Yes. We're becoming more in every sense. And then we're yeah. able to be embodied by, you know, cause it's, Ideally, this is just a vessel, right? And it's going to invite or inhabit whatever you're a vibrational match to or a capability of holding. So what do you all think of something like that? Like the old you isn't an old you. It's just a other vibration that was doing its best with the information it had at the time. I have thought about that very deeply, but I want to hear Mark's first idea and then I'll go. Okay. And synchronistically, Brandon, this ties into the thing that I was going to say and forgot. <laughs> so it relates to the, the term <laughs> ego dissolution. And I want to harp on that because there are different ways people think about it. And one way that I don't fully agree with is this idea that you don't exist. At some level, that's true. But when I think about ego dissolution, it's more of acknowledging who you are authentically and just being that without inhibition. I mean, still being sane about it, but allowing yourself to be the full version of yourself. And that's what you're alluding to, Brandon, in what you just said. Yeah. The analogy I often use comes from Dr. David Hawkins. He said that consciousness is like the sun that's always shining. And then there are clouds that get in the way. And I think that's our goal is to try to be to get remove the clouds that are obstructing the pure rays of consciousness. And then we are our authentic self. And it's like we are a puzzle piece within some kind of a cosmic puzzle, and we are embodying the uniqueness of that puzzle piece. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. It's this idea of, the, you know, you hear about it in walk-ins. I mean, a lot of Gnostic texts, all, all these things like this idea of possession and things like that, which make me just think, let's simply like whatever this is tuned to, whatever your 
a vibrational match for is what's flowing through you. So there's not some sort of lack of ego in the sense that it's not still an identity because the identity is all of the mixed uh, experiences and your the meaning the meaning that you put on life, right? And so all of that uh, and your paradigm and all of these things are what flows through you. What I what I have been feeling personally, which is why I ask, guys. I, I had the uh, young lady uh, Ellie One Thumb on the show. Um, she runs a show called Speed Bumps. Absolutely amazing. And we were talking about this idea of like a walk in, like this possessive aspect. But again, you know, it's like people who say that they've been possessed by like the devil or something. That's number one, what they expect. Which is another thing I want to talk to you about. Number two, it's sort of the vibrational frequency they're at. You know. Um, perhaps the people, you know, like Mark that are being inhabited by perhaps these incredibly high vibe angelic beings, you're not running around talking about it. So you're not spitting pea soup over priests. And, you know, it's not made, making headlines in a way that is so dramatic and being talked about. But when we talk about these polarized energies here, this balance, right, there's expressions of all and everything. So if there's this side of things that can be possessed, and there's people that believe very strongly in this, then perhaps it's just a misunderstanding of an idea of a vibrational inhabitation, perhaps, you know, is, is what I kind of think of it as. Because this is the same way that you can go from like zero to, uh, you know, or, uh, from a thousand, like so glorious and happy to zero based on like a trigger or something like that. And that indicator of vibrational swing sort of, tells you, hey, here's something that maybe if you focus on, we can keep the clouds out of the way of the sun a little bit longer. You know, those, in, those, but that vibe is your indicator. And so you're embodying these different energies here, but it's what this, this ride, this uh, avatar is tuned to that sort of is a match for those things. And it fluctuates constantly, which is fascinating to me. I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Well, it sounds like what Doug was describing earlier, just stated a different way in terms of how he's connecting yeah. with his innovations right now, that they're vibrating at a certain frequency, if we want to use that terminology. They're, they're, they have an intention and a certain clarity and purity of what they're going for, and that manifests as an ability to tap into the pure rays, and the clouds are not getting in the way as much. Yeah. Yeah. Like looking looking up, looking up resources in the Akashic Records that match it. Right. Is another way of thinking about mm. it. See, I look at everything from an information perspective. So, so I, I so go ahead with your with your finish your comment, and then I'll I'll say something. No, go ahead, Doug. Okay, okay. So, I'm going to combine what you guys both were just saying. Okay, look, consciousness doesn't exist in space and time, and so we talk about ego, but ego is just this little bit of the tip of the snowflake at the tip of the iceberg that represents who we really are. From our conscious from our unconscious and subconscious and and the archetypes and all of the stuff that's out there that are that's thought-based forms out there so our ego is so small so we just have to get it out of the way to tap into this higher self and but this this we we are more powerful than we can imagine because our brain hold our consciousness right hmm. it's it, it it can't be um because otherwise all the near-death experiences and all that other stuff, remote viewing and, and dreams, and all this stuff wouldn't work. You know, and Evan Alexander says, you know, my brain was shut down for a week. In no way that it came from my brain, right? So you, you got to know that it's not the brain. Okay, so you got to kind of start there, right? So what is this consciousness then? Well, it's, they say, well, it's some kind of matter. It's in consciousness and energy. No, the problem is, is that matter and energy only exist in three-dimensional space-time. In fact, energy is really a metric. 
And that's the space that we live in is a metric space. So where do you have something that has no space, no time, no matter, and no energy? And that's what I try to talk about is in my source science model, right? Is that an infinite dimensional space, hyperdimensional space that is that has it's really information oriented. It's not energy oriented. And that is the realm of thought. And it's also the realm that it's the simulator that supports the physical universe. The, you know, they say the simulation is a unit is the universe is a simulation running inside of the, the universe is a simulation is running inside the simulator. And they say, oh, we're worried that the simulator is running inside an alien computer. No, the computer's way too this quantum infrastructure, I call it bit physics, is so big that it's bigger than the entire universe is. And there's no alien who has a computer big enough to do that with. So we're talking, so we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's implicit in part of the, the way the universe is structured. And I call it bit physics and it's simulating the universe. Well, our mind is of that same infrastructure, that bit simulation, simulation structure. And I can show to the math that says, so what supports why that is? You go, well, why does math have anything to do with it, Doug? It's because there's no matter and there's no energy. All there is is bits and bits and math. That's all there is, right? And so if we look at our cell phones and we go, our cell phones work because we're sharing this spread, spread spectrum. You know, we're using CDMA and all this spread spectrum. And yet we don't run into each other. The channels don't collide. We're not hearing other people's talk. Well, our thoughts are like that. Imagine thoughts are working like spread spectrum for thought. And so we don't run into each other. So it's this big computational infrastructure that supports thought and that it keeps from running into each other. And we can share when we want to, but we don't generally do that. And so this, this, this big computational framework, it's information and thought and order. And from that comes our space and, and, and entropy is the lack of order that comes from, but there's, there can be order and non-order, but anytime something is more ordered, like consciousness, then it's coming from a place that can support order instead of pure entropy. So that's why we dream at night, because we want to get out of the entropic universe, and we go back to our, our mental world where there's no entropy. Um, and in fact, it's mainly order instead of chaos. Um, so, um, so I think I may have lost my point that I was making as a result of this dialogue, but ourself is more complex. I think that's the point I was making. It's getting more complex because we're getting more and more dimensions in it, in the spit space. A, a, a two-year-old isn't any better than a four-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 30-year-old. They're layered on top of it. They're, 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 they, they're not changing. They're layering on top of each other. Our consciousness is like that. And when we can step out of consciousness and we can get this bigger in the zone kind of thinking, we're actually allowing ourselves to be in more dimensions. It's we're being in a bigger space. And I can show mathematically that if you are in a bigger space, you're smarter. This is more. Okay, that's probably... what savants come from. Savants are using more consciousness more dimensions more com more thought more complexity it's not a higher frequency because there's no matter energy space or time it's not frequency it's complexity which again is an information theory so there's my summary of the summary of that you two are talking about complexity 
increased complexity is the key and it's ever increasing and it includes all the previous environments before that so it's not changing it's growing it's being bigger and it's self-awareness of all that simultaneously and that's the key for for spiritual evolution is we we can hold on to more in our thought and us three are really good at that already and we, we're doing even better all the time we're doing everything more and more and more simultaneous in our mind and we would call that heading towards infinite intelligence, savant type thinking. And you can't do that in a classical worldview. You have to do it in a quantum world where you're using quantum parallelism and quantum coherence and quantum superposition, because you can have all those things simultaneously and not erase any of them. So there's my two cents worth from my information theory perspective. So. See, Mark, so, that feels like what you've expanded into is this higher intelligence when you get into those slipstreams of flow. And that's what's beautiful about it. You're not scared of it. You just you don't back down from it. You're, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. You've got a picture of you showing up at these like incredible, I don't know, spiral gates of something. And you're there with your pad and paper like, I'm ready for another book, guys. They're like, OK, cool. You're up front. <laughs> we know you know what to do with it. We'll get you right in. And here you go. It's just this awesome thing. And so it is cool, you know, because, again, I, I, I'm with you, man. And I know it's challenging for both of us having been or it's challenging for me. I'm not going to speak with you for you. It's been challenging for me to say, yeah, I'm actually kind of experiencing something I can't necessarily quantify, but that's OK. Like, I feel great about it. It's a it's more honestly to me, it's more of an intellectual process because it takes a lot of hubris to sit back and go, you know what, maybe there's something bigger here that I'm working with. And by the admission of that and the submission to that, I can actually be incredibly powerful and bigger than what I feel that I've been limited to in just my own singularity. And again, yeah. maybe you're doing all of that uh, subconsciously, which again is cool. You just kind of check all the boxes. You skip all the, it's like you get the pass to go right front of the line. You don't have to analyze it all the way up. To We're doing that. All three of us ready. are doing that. Yeah. So why, again, um, with the UFOs and non-physical stuff? So just had a guy named Chaz of the Dead on. There are several ways, apparently, to create anti-gravity. And I've heard a lot about this as well, about that it could be bug wings is something that Chaz was talking about. There's this guy, um, Victor <laughs> Bervinikov, that did this. And he, a Russian scientist that noticed uh, some insect wings when he set them on a slide. They hovered for a moment and then settled. He thought static electricity, did it with several of them, wasn't that. Notice that if you took a few of them, tied them into a certain configuration in a box, he could hit it. It would float up into the top of his corner of his room and then float down really, really softly and do these really odd behaviors. So he strapped a bunch of those configurations to a pallet of bug wings and then was able to actually travel on this thing. And it appeared of UFOs, glowing shapes, orbs, all sorts of things to different people. So the interesting part of this is it's actually marrying two questions I've got for both of you guys. So the idea of physical space, non-human intelligences, or this anti-gravitic type of technology apparently, again, can be facilitated in many ways. And a lot of it is terrifyingly, I've heard, right under our noses. And basically anybody can figure this out. And once you figure it out, you have time travel, you have everything. And so this is why it's actually so terrifying that you, if you give people just free electricity and this ability, you actually unlock the keys to everything. And I don't necessarily think a bunch of us should be doing that. And that's just my personal opinion on that. So you've got the idea that it's physical can be here. So the idea that it's not exclusively physical could be just something to where there's this dimensional phase shift, like we talked about in Flatland, uh, to where it's physical for a moment for us, or at least a part of it that we can conceptualize in our dimension and then out. Now, the other thing to this would be that if... UFOs, if this guy, Bravinikov, had this Russian scientist guy squatting over this pallet of bug wings that he's flying over the place, but it looked like 
uh, triangle craft, uh, UFO lights, um, orbs that look like different shapes to different people depending on who reported it. And a ton of people reported it when he was flying this thing around. So follow-up question. Yes, it can be completely here and perhaps there are some physical elements to it. I want to know what you guys think about that. Also, do you think that there is something in our psyche? I think that we put it, this is something I asked Chaz on the show, but this is something I think that we put a lot of emphasis on the phenomena being so able to apprehend us and um, screen memories and these types of things. But what if it's something that's so just amazing and it presents itself exactly the way that it is, but we can't handle it and we need to physically replace it in our minds with anything else. Like, and this is why it changes shape with everybody. You know what I mean? So it's like we respond in a kind of a way. And now somebody's like, that was a Bigfoot. And somebody else is like, no, that was an owl. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I saw something different, but it's really just its own face but we can't handle it cognitively. So all of us actually fill in some mechanism and they, the phenomena knows this. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll appear as angels to that one, Bigfoot to that one, a UFO to that one. Don't worry about it. Just walk, follow me. You know what I mean? It's sort of this, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think of this idea? That basically for, it's not screen. Sh- okay. and it's, uh, well, the first thing is, is that gravity turns out is the most strongest we're in the direction where time slows down. So if you if you're outside of time and you can manipulate time, let's say you could create a little temporal bubble like stop time, you would stop gravity in there as well. So there's people ideas of people who levitate, who essentially could create a, a, an environment in their mental environment, so that they were angelic, if you want to think about it, you know, halo, a halo, where it was an outside of time bubble. And guess what? That's what you do when you have a near-death experience. You go through the tunnel, you go through the light, and you have a life review. What is a life review? Is you're seeing all of time at once, but your mind can't comprehend that it's simultaneous. So it thinks about it as being sequential. So it looks like a life review, but it's actually all going on at once. You're stepping out of time. I call it panoramic time, right? So the point is, is that time and gravity are intimately related. So if there's an experiment that we could propose... And we could say, if we can manipulate time, like with consciousness, okay, could we manipulate time, then then we could uh, cause things to float. Now there's, I don't know about this, the bug wing ones, but there's another one they did, is they had a, they had a machine that was a, that was an evacuated chamber, right? And they were, they were, had stuff in there, okay? And they were heating the bottom, but it was at very low temperature and evacuated. And metal and non-metallic items floated the same way in this thing, and they photographed it. So this is in a lab now. This is not bug wings, okay? And so it's a repeatable experiment, and it may be that the entropy itself of heat caused these things to float. Like I said, if you had metal, you could say, oh, it was magnetic. No, they had dust in there that was floating, and there was no, no air. So I believe you said, like you said, it's right under our nose. It probably is right under our nose. It's just that it's not time for it to come out yet. I, I, I think there are, I mean, I'm on some list, you know, this is over unity energy kind of devices, energy newsletters and stuff like that. There are people say, yeah, they're, they're out there. And I, hey, I would be afraid if they were out there in a place where the wrong people got it, right? 
Then, it, then the question is, is like, well, what if that has already happened? And really our whole time is just screwed up because there's a bunch of time people jumping around all over the place trying to fix and unscrew things up while well, screwing things worst, up as well. Mandela. The worst us. scenario. Yeah, the worst scenario that Marcus probably can comment about is, well, the government really has it, you know, because oh. they've been reverse engineering all these UFOs already for, you know, for 50 years. And so somebody has it probably already. And they're trying to suppress it to keep everybody else from learning the truth. So the question is, when as a society, can we be ready to hear about it and use it for the benefit of society rather than the, for the benefit of few, you know, and I, and I don't know that maybe Mike, you, Mark, you have a better idea about that than I yeah. do. Well, Doug, you just gave a great scientific explanation of all that where my mind goes is conceptually, why is it set up the way it is where we are limited in our perception? And that the information itself, whether it's suppressed by the government or not, I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know. Why is it that way? And then you start getting into deep questions about what's our real history. And, and I I feel like I'm less qualified to answer this sort of thing. Like, how did we get to the position we are in today where we are collectively in a state of intellectual ignorance in many ways, where we just don't know basic things about our existence, but also perceptually, we have major perceptual limitations, even if we're intellectually strong. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all not telepaths either. So if telepathy exists, which I believe it is, yeah. I mean, there are people out there who teach telepathy. So I know it exists and I know remote world-class remote viewers. So all of that is real. Right. And, and so the question is that how does the mind, how do you represent information in thought such that those mechanisms are supported to support like these memories, you know, these suppressed memories and stuff like that, or fake memories, right? Well, it's all possible to do that because the, the, it's a mental domain, right? That's the technology. And, and, and it kind of ends up being like Hogwarts where you have spells and counter spells and counter counter spells. And, and, and I don't know how, how do you stop? How do you eventually just, everybody's working for the good. So we don't have to have counter spells. You know, how do we get to that utopian? Again, I'm too optimistic. So I will tell you right now, actually, I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, okay. So I, I would like to actually uh, talk about this with you guys right now. Okay. So then to everything that let, let's list a few things here. Mark, you listed a few. Let's list a few more things here that aren't ideal that we feel we have limitations on. Okay. So you said mm -hmm. limited perspective, which I completely agree. Um, Doug, do you have any? Limits? Yes. Uh, it limits that you've observed in this reality. Sort of like, let's say that you were to go to God or source or anything right now and with a checklist and you just said, hey, noted a couple things. No big deal. Love the waterfalls are great. But a couple of notes that we have here are some suggestions. You know, uh, do you have any? So limited perspective, perception, uh, information is one of them for sure. Well, like I said, if everybody had a divine experience where they knew they were telepathic or knew, you know, if everybody knew that, so they weren't like had on un amnesia anymore. If everybody had a, a personal experience like that or NDA or NDE or, or remote viewing or intuition or angel speaking to them, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have to worry about believing this. So I think the biggest problem right now is the amnesia. So, all right. So then the question I would always have, and here's how we solve this, gentlemen, what's useful about it? Okay. What's useful for having a limited perspective? What does that offer us? That's, that's the spiritual realm. I mean, it's, it just says we have to, we purposely were set up to hear the, I mean, I read all these books, right. And, and, uh, 
and one of them is says, well, we 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 were Earth was specifically set up as this giant experiment where we didn't remember everything. So why would that and, be useful? Um, because it's an experience. It's an experience that the universe needs that they and the universe and maybe the experiment got away from itself. <laughs> this is possible. Okay. Then also mm-hmm. another one that we mentioned here was time. Why are we able to perceive time so much differently? Because it's all instant. Yeah, it's of course. But here it's linear in the way that we perceive it. How is that valuable? Yeah. Well, it's only physics is reinforcing that with all of its equations and everything. But our consciousness is outside of time. And we can imagine that we're a puppet master over all of our simultaneous lives at once. And in fact, there's therapies, you can do timeline therapy where you can talk between them. And so, so realize that a lot of our time is reinforced by physics, but it's our, we believe that there is time. And as soon as you start stepping out of time, then you can be in the zone. You can write books like Mark, because you only you only can be in quantum consciousness if you step out of time. And then you can only place you can have anti-gravity is if you step out of time. So time is the ultimate resource. I mean, they're you know, they're talking about thinking about my own next book, right? You know, I don't know, I don't have one yet, but um, but you know, these are all things I've been saying, well, maybe you need to write about it more. So. Yeah. And so the mechanism of experience here, in my mind, it seems like if it's limited, if we have the experience of time, but we can conceptualize models without time, we can conceptualize ideas where there's this unifying consciousness and knows everything, but we don't. It creates a lot of this, in my mind, again, separatism, right? So then one would say, if we are all one unity consciousness, which is a, I'm a fan of the idea. That's, I don't know, of course, but I'm a fan of it. And it's all here in a place that it doesn't exist in, but it needs to exist here, but it's everything here then this idea of evil or bad guy or something like that, that's where I have actually an issue with this idea of evil and the all-knowing consciousness intermingling together. In my mind, it's an equal and opposite reaction to everything. So the things like the uh, everything in this bookmark, which I absolutely love, then uh, all of those things are just simply here as options for us and not inevitabilities. Now, in my mind also... Whenever there are things like limitations perceived by time, it's like, okay, well, then time, what it occurs from my perspective is a change, right? Change can only occur over a duration in an observable time, right? And so that change may be a a function that's necessary to this experience. So again, these things like limitations, like me, whenever I hit a wall, I'm sure you gentlemen as well, it only motivates me more to get over that wall. It's not a turnaround point for me. It's a motivator. So these ideas of... Things of being limitations here, fear, uh, all of that, in my mind, is a motivating opportunity to experience that which is the opposite or that which you would rather desire in place of it. This is why things are presented to you in a way. It's not inevitabilities in my mind. It's just options. So if you're presented with that kind of limitation, perhaps it's only a limitation so that we can create a way around it, right? Time is so pervasive. Half of your sentences, Brandon had all kinds of temporal models in them. yes yes and you weren't even aware that you might not even have been aware that you were injecting those things as though they were true and they may not be true so so how how do you have a version of ourself consciousness that's outside of time and and all the superpowers that that means that's probably because as soon as we go oh we really are super powerful beings and then you can have like all these kids who are telepaths and uh, have all these superpowers because we wouldn't be intelligent without them. So, uh, 
so anyhow, what do you think about time? Um, yeah. Well, if I mean it's if, more of a technical discussion, but I still want to know your opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, the question is why is it that we are so limited in the way we can talk about time, that we can express it and we can experience it only in a certain way, that we we feel it only in a certain way, and I ask why is it that way? If time is so much more multifaceted than we think it is, why? Um, and Brandon, what you're describing, and Doug, you to an extent as well, is that there's an evolutionary aspect to it, that by having limitations in perspective, it challenges us, and that challenges challenge enables growth in a way. And even I know there are people that take a darker perspective on that, that um, like there be there are dark beings or dark humans that love suffering in others. They love to impose suffering on people. And the suffering, as bad as it is, does seem to stimulate growth in the end. Even if you can't see it in a localized period, ultimately it ends up lead, leading to something positive and benevolent. That's just how I see it. Like think about working out with muscle, muscular growth. You have to work out the muscle. You have to actually tear it and then you grow. I think about my own life. Now I've, I've written books, which I never expected to do, but there was a lot of suffering that preceded that in terms of what I did in school and professionally, like working all night at, over and over again to get the reps in, to be able to then produce something later that I didn't know at the time when I was working hard. But so I think these challenges, they can be viewed from multi multiple lenses and they, they all yeah. kind of coexist because the suffering is really painful at some level, but then it can have this ultimately positive view if you have a high enough perspective. And it's yeah. like the pain is there for empathy later because it makes you strong enough for the people that need your help when they need it. And when the people, those people cross your path, not only do you have the answers that they're seeking, but also you have the empathy for the feelings in which they're experiencing because you've felt it. You know, it's this, again, it's this empathetic thing. I, I think it has many, many facets and it's all sort of that we're just all walking each other home. I just have this whimsical, like, you know, boundless optimistic uh, view of it like Doug does, but I do see dark shit here. But it seems to me that the dark shit affects the people that, need to make changes the most and this is why it sits with them so heavily is because it's in their hands to change things and it feels like that it's this responsibility and again if it's all love it's all consciousness and it's at a level all here on purpose so it's an interesting paradox to come to and it's not an easy one to stomach i'll say that from this perspective it's not easy even intellectually if we can wrap our minds around it we're still in this fucking physical body we still see atrocities occur and suffering that we feel could be either mitigated or obliviated, uh, alleviated or obliv obliterated. And that in my mind is what keeps us going. That's there's still work to be done here, you know, but it's not impossible work, which is why that dark always has that lesser advantage. I feel, but also again, for the same reason I'm talking about here, dark's not going to win. Cause that's not its job. Its job is to motivate. That's just what it feels like. So I have a comment about dark. Okay. So, if, if if you asked anybody whether they're atheist or not, and they said, if you had a choice between going to heaven and hell, where would you go? How many people would choose to go to hell, right? So it's a choice, but you still have to live by your choice, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, is that heaven and hell, a mini version of that is happy or angry, right? And it turns out that emotion and your passion, right? Mark, your passion is is a joyous passion. It's not a anger, pa angry passion, right? 
it's a, it's a joyous fashion. So whatever emotion that you're in attracts the thoughts around that. And then based on that, the memories and thoughts and decisions that you make are focused around that centric point. So people who choose to, to be angry then focus all of their, it's the same mechanism for good and evil. It's just, what is your choice about where you're standing when you're doing all of this emotionally, you know? And so people just need to realize that they have more control over all of this. They have to just choose positive emotions. And then everything evolves around that, including your memories and decisions, and, and then the energy that builds on that. It's That snowball builds just as well as if you're angry and you build on that snowball. Hmm. Right. So does that mean that they're good and bad people? No, there's just people who don't realize that they have a choice about their emotional state and how that affects their life. And this it's a miniature version of choosing heaven versus hell by just choosing angry versus joy. So there's my two cents worth. And there's a lot of math and a bunch of other ideas behind there, but I'm giving you as a high level as I can. So what do you think about that? It's beautiful and I love it. So then the question is, is for folks to be actionable, we're always asking for this kind of stuff. So what is something actionable that in that moment of between Bruce Banner and the Hulk, there's an opportunity there. So what, <laughs> what, uh, what, what actionable thing can we be mindful of in that moment? Yeah. So here's an idea is that when something dark appears or something unpleasant, it is showing us something. So it's like, if you touch a hot stove, that's teaching you a lesson very clearly not to touch it again because it's hot. So to pay attention to the areas in your life where you feel the darkness within yourself, you feel the anger, the negative emotions, mm -hmm. or also where you, on a collective level, if you see darkness in a certain area, that's it's showing us something that needs to be revealed as well. So a big part of this is, is not non-spiritual bypass. So spiritual bypass would be, well, that's dark. I don't want to think about it. That's unpleasant. I'm going to suppress that emotion. Right. Or I learned about that horrible thing happening in the world. I don't want to think about it anymore. I think it, we need to do the opposite. It needs to arise, rise to the surface. We need to then transmute it and accept that it's there. And then like you say, Doug, we had the choice. Ultimately, I'm totally with yeah. you. I think all this stuff is don't, within don't, us. Don't let it affect us. Acknowledge it, accept it, and then say, I love you and transmute it. Yeah. You know, because I think that can happen more often than people realize. Every time we have we have the choice as to how we respond to anything that happens around absolutely. us. That's yeah. within our own consciousness. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, uh, then I'm going to close in on this because this has been incredible and this has been a great vibe. And so we're going to keep it rolling here. There is obviously a reason that we're all here. Now, in my mind, I think that there's still either work to be done or that this is a conscious choice for you to wake up every day. So I will ask you both. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you if you don't mind, sir. And I, I appreciate both of you gentlemen, of course, all the ways to find y'all and this stack of incredible literature here will be located down in the show notes. So make sure you all check that out. On the note though, uh, there's, you know, what motivates you to get out of bed every morning? What gives you hope for the future? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna have kind of a strange answer to this, Brandon. Which is that I don't think about it in terms of hope for the future because I'm not I'm not really thinking about what the outcome of the future is going to be, if that makes sense. Beautiful. It does. I mean, on yeah. some level I am. On some level I am in terms of my localized future of like what are the decisions I want to make that are positive. But in terms of how the world looks, I could theorize, and that's what I sort of do in my books, is talk about how we could make things better. But I'm not it's not like I'm waking up hoping for that. I'm just trying to do the best job I can in my life, however that manifests, whether it's in the conversation like this that's public or in my private life or just in my own thoughts, in my own mind, stay in a high vibe setting. That's that's my hope is to try to be the best version of myself. 
Yeah. How you do anything is how you do everything. So great job. Yeah. I like that. So it's a core thing within you all the time to just be here. And the impact that you are making, man, the collective impact that you have made is incredible, man. So you, again, I you're, you're so mindfully impactful on this place. And this is what's one of the, both of you are, but this is what's so beautiful about this is the impact that you just wake up and do. I mean, this lives on forever. I mean, this is huge. This is some shit they'll be burning before long. And I'm grateful for that. I love that. Like I, to see your, a pile of your books being burned, that's a huge honor, man. You could, We'll start a book club for you. I'll start you a site on the website, most burned book. And then, you know, we'll set it out. So, so Don, I want to say two things. Cause yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. might be useful to your audience. Cause Please. it's been part of my process. Um, I, it's actually a big challenge for me because I never know what's next in my process. I let it unfold, but it's very uncomfortable because I used to be such a big planner and now I'm doing the opposite of planning. So that's, that's part of this journey. This is what I was saying earlier about you getting out of your own way and trusting that process because of your background and who you were and your structured, uh, but okay, but now, you know, confidence is just a series of successes. And so now is it as scary to do that? Not as scary, but it's still uncomfortable. I mean, I would love to know what I'm going to do next in my life, but I don't. I mean, I write these controversial books, which is another thing I always have to overcome in myself of knowing I'm going to write things that people will not like and being okay with that and being confident that I know where it comes from and just saying, whatever people think, that's fine. And if people resonate, then they're going to be attracted to me. And if they can't handle it, then so be it. But getting to that place where I care about the truth more than people's opinions of me, that's also a big part of this journey. And related to the idea that I don't know what's next because the decisions I make relate to what comes next. This, I mean, it's so beautiful. Again, stack of books, best-selling author. And this type of peek behind the curtain into the creative process is so important for people because, you know, I mean, you look at somebody like, I don't know how people view, let's say just Stephen King. It's an easy one. And they go, oh, he's got it all figured out. He's got this setup of books. It's all interwoven and intertwined. No, he doesn't either. You know, this is the coolest part about it. And if he did, it wouldn't be as good. Same with you, man. I really see this being intuitive because the timing on which you drop your books and you're intuitively inspired to create them, then when they drop, it's this, it's this future version of you going, okay, Mark, start now. And then it comes out and it's like, boom, here we are. And now it's this important impact on the collective in such an incredible way. And again, it's just this idea of flow with and this non-resistance to this ultimate authenticity, even against, like you just described, this vulnerability and putting yourself out there, that's next. That's, this is the most uh, valuable commodity and this is what's uh, being prized. That's what I empower people with and you guys are living examples of this. So again, could not be more grateful, gentlemen. Uh, Doug, dude, what, what gets you out of bed every morning, man? Besides that amazing, looking forward to putting that shirt on. That is awesome. You need to send me one of those. <laughs> um, well, I tell people I've sort of had a charmed life, you know, and it's like when I went to college 50 years ago, I was thinking I was interested in, in computer science and engineering. It was just starting, you know, in the seventies. And then all of a sudden I read about psychic discoveries behind the iron curtain. And then every opportunity, a door opened up for me to go study about metaphysics and engineering and science. And so the doors keep opening up and, and I don't know where it's going either. And it led me through neural computing, quantum computing, limits of computing, AI, you know, all of the, we would consider this all technology stuff, right? Well, if you're an advanced being, all that stuff is cakewalk to you, to the advanced beings, but we have to kind of learn it the hard way. And so I'm kind of getting help. So I say, let the charm life continue 
and I am at service to do whatever I'm supposed to do next. And so how's that for a very open-ended acknowledgement of the fact that my life has had these, all these paths already. And, um, and I'm willing to just let it continue happening. And it's been amazing. Um, this last year with this new company is, um, I'm the least psychic person in our company, believe it or not. <laughs> and I'm happy with that. So, <laughs> so. It's incredible. And uh, this, guys, this right here, uh, same thing. Uh, nothing but wonderful things to look forward to, as you gentlemen do. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we know it's going to be beautiful and we're here for it. And that's what it is, right? It's that motto of just showing up, being like, yep, all right, here we are. I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's go. It, yep. It's that. And that's what's so beautiful. And that's why, again, things are so uh, created at such a pace. This is the time. And, and I know it sounds like woo-woo or whatever, and I'm fine with that. This is the harvest, and I feel it. There's an energy shift. There's so many people permeating with these ideas. These types of works are out there and just so easy to come across now, but wonderful, wonderful ways of approaching this information, and it's not from one or two sources now. You know, it's it's from so many different ways of approaching the information and making it palatable and integrating it, and that's why it's so exciting is because it's being seen in everything, which it is. So, again, gentlemen, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, all the ways, of course, located down in the show notes. Thank you both so much. Final note, Mark and Brandon Appreciation Club here for all of us. And uh... <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Brandon, thank you so much for arranging this. Doug, thanks for all that you do and for your insights today. I really enjoyed it, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to all get to know each other even better over time. And, uh, that's Oh, yeah. Doug's already, uh, he's yeah. already said we're all coming out here to do mushrooms. So, all right, guys, <laughs> thank you so much. Just want to thank those two gentlemen for coming by and always blowing my mind, giving me something new to ponder. Absolutely incredible gentlemen. Make sure that y'all check out all of the ways to find them that is located down in the very same show notes down there that our resource links are located in. So make sure you check all of that stuff out. Now, just really quick, want to talk about the new website. I completely redid that damn thing. So you guys just go take a look at it and tell me what you think. It's super dope. I'm, I'm very proud of it. So just go take a look if you don't mind. As well, uh, that's where you can sign up to become an expansive insider and all that has changed to gotten a big facelift as well which i'm very proud of again go check it out uh also that is where you can support the mission we are a value for value system here so if you find this valuable we always encourage folks to participate in that and that will link you the link down in the show notes there over to the new website which is totally cool and changed so make sure you guys go check that out a couple new things real quick uh handbook there is a new expanding reality handbook i published this thing same thing i built this thing it goes along with the website so uh you can check that thing out located down in the show it's a wonderful way to support guys and follow along and be engaging and aligned and all that cool shit as well uh you can now borrow some of the expansive insider content for the weekend if you would like to if you don't want to commit to a full like ah monthly thing that's fine totally fine if you peruse through there is a rentals thing on the website and it's right there it's first thing so you go check that out you can actually peruse through and just borrow one for the weekend like totally cool we get the commitment issues no big deal uh other than that like i said there's just a bunch of cool things going on over there again i'm grateful so grateful for everybody we are moving forward in leaps and bounds uh started publishing house uh, a lot of stuff that you know is still on the back burners that were very close to rolling out but not very ready to yet so all of that stuff should get you going for a little bit, guys. And thank you all so much uh, for just participating in all of this stuff, for watching, for listening, engaging, and just being the coolest sons of bitches ever. And you guys go out into this beautiful place, get that litter off the ground, get out of the left hand land, 
get out of the left-hand lane. Fuck it, I'm leaving that in too. We get out of the left-hand lane and uh, be nice to everybody you come across. Buy somebody a line, uh, coffee or a meal, something like that, something super small. But above all and anything else, before I let you run, and thank you for listening, go out there, guys, and just be good to one another. Thank you again for watching, for listening, for engaging, and just being the coolest, coolest sons of bitches ever. We'll see you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.